0: I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And um, yeah, we're really glad that you're with us this morning, especially if you're a guest with us and I have not had the chance to meet you. Um, I'd love to have that opportunity. So if you have time to stick around after the service, I would love to say hello and just be able to meet you face to face. Like Jay said, we are starting a new series today that uh, we're titling How Long, O Lord? And um, really, we're just looking at What does it look like to lament according to the scriptures? It's a two-week series. We're not going to linger in this too long because it's a little heavy. It's probably going to bring up some maybe some stuff inside of you, and that's okay. We want to be able to, to learn how to approach these things. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that as we read your word from Genesis to Revelation, cover to cover, that uh, we don 't have to to look hard for places where you speak to things that are are super relevant for us that we can look at them and say yes that's, that that's me or I just went through that or i 'm afraid of going through that and we're thankful for something like lament as, as strange as it is to say that we're thankful that you haven't just left us alone in this this broken and often a uh, wor- world that produces sadness produces heartache produces pain but you 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 connect with us in that you speak to us in that. you give us a guide and a, and a pathway to be able to um, approach these things so we're thankful for that and i pray as we look at your word this morning that you would help us you would challenge us where we need to be challenged and you would comfort comfort us where we need to be comforted lord we love you it's in your son's name we pray Amen. One of the hardest and ongoing areas of pain in my life, and I can speak for Nicole as well, is our inability to have biological children. And for whatever reason, we have not been able to um, have biological children. And we know that God, in his original creation, made um, conception, the process of conception and childbearing, very normal. And natural, normal and natural, the way God designed it. However, as a result of brokenness originating in humanity's sin, having children is no longer normal. Having children is full of pain, imperfection, and sometimes um, unfathomable heartache. This is the world we live in. For us, failed fertility treatments, Hundreds of negative pregnancy tests, multiple miscarriages, and many other pain points are a constant, consistent reminder that things are not the way they're supposed to be. They're not. But here's the question for us the question that we have to ask ourselves, our family, Nicole and I, and the question that you need to ask yourselves because nobody in this room has gotten away from pain we've all experienced pain at some level here's the question what do we do with the pain what do we do what do we do in this world where we experience so much pain what do we do with the reminder this 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 reminder of our brokenness that often follows us around like a pet dog it's always there what do we do As human beings, we're going to do something with this pain. We're going to do something with it. We could pretend like it's not there, kind of stuff it down, and um, eventually we're going to feel it. It will affect us. And oftentimes when it does come out, it it wreaks havoc on our lives. We could medicate it, cover it up. This leads to dependency on things that are not going to satisfy long term. You may be able to distract yourself for a while, medicate yourself for a while, but that will not last. We become really angry about our pain, become just a bitter person and take it out on others. It's an option. We can begin to take on the identity of a victim and never really get out of this cycle of pain and and victimhood and and kind of being this person, um, rather who is a person who is in pain, we can become a painful person. There's a difference there. And honestly, I've been guilty of all of these different ways of dealing with pain over the course of my life. I'm sure many of you have as well. But if these paths aren't the way, and these are often the paths of least resistance, if this isn't the way, what do we do? What do we do with our pain? And this is where we turn ourselves to the idea of lament. Mark And Vrogop, I think I'm saying that right, Vrogop, in his book, Dark Clouds, um, Deep Mercy, I think it's called. Uh, Some of you in this room have read it. It's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. In his book, he defines lament in a very simple way, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. He also says of lament, lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. My definition, in my own words, would be lament is the pathway or the bridge, from brokenness to the mercy of God. Pathway from the brokenness that we all experience to the mercy of God. When we lament biblically, we open ourselves up to God's mercy. I'll say that again. When we lament biblically, we actually open ourselves up to the healing mercy of God. You may be thinking, if you know our family, I wonder why... This is still painful for them, or so painful. Since those of you know us, we have two incredible, handsome, amazing sons. You may be thinking, "What's what's wrong? We we got kids, and don't get me wrong, I agree they are great gifts from God." But that kind of line of thinking is part of the problem. The 21st century church does not know how to lament. We want to end our pain quickly. We want to move on. You may be thinking we should be more thankful maybe for the boys that we have. And we are thankful. But why can't we be thankful and at the same time lament that our expectations for how our family would be built haven't been met? We can have both. We can be thankful but also lament deeply because it's sad. And it still hurts for Nicole and I. We must become more familiar with pain because it's coming it's coming for all of us at some point or another and some of us have experienced gut-wrenching pain some of us have just maybe maybe it's a more shallow level of pain right now but dark pain is coming for all of us and the best time to learn about suffering is actually before it comes the best time to learn how to deal with suffering is actually before it comes Vrogot mentions in this book that I referenced that tears and crying are the first things that most humans do in the world. When we we leave our mother's wombs, um, most babies cry. That's the first thing we say, and we don't need to be taught how to do that. Babies cry, most of them, very first thing. And most of our lives will actually end with other people crying for us. Never thought of that. He brought that up in his book. I'm like, that's really, yeah, our, our lives are bookended by tears, by sadness. And we're doing this short two-week series on lament precisely because I don't think we do this well. And I, when I say we, I'm not just talking about Providence Road Church. I'm talking about kind of the, the Western part of the world in which American Christianity is a part of the, the West. So we're lumped into that not being able to do this well. When we lament biblically, we open ourselves up to God's healing mercy. And we see lament all through the scriptures. Over one-third of the psalms are psalms of lament. Over one-third of that giant book of psalms are psalms of lament. The Old and New Testaments from beginning to end are dotted with elements of lament. Jesus teaches us how to lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? lament. Paul teaches on lament at that end of those first eight chapters of Romans, the most incredible kind of teaching on doctrine that's ever existed. At the end of that section, he actually teaches on lament, gives an example of lament. We'll look at that a little bit later. Questions like, where are you? Why is this happening, God? We've all been there, at least those who are believers in God and followers of Jesus. We've asked these questions. Pain create strong emotions and we need to know how to deal with them we oftentimes want to deny these emotions or move on too quickly from them and we must learn how to live in lament some of our pain might be short-lived but some of our pain is going to continue with us for the rest of our lives so we need to learn how to do this thing called biblical lament our primary text today, which Jay read, is Psalm 77, and this, this psalm is both personal and communal for the psalmist. It's a, it's a person named um, um, Asap who is dealing with personal things, but he's a kind of a worship leader for the people of God. So he writes these down, coming out of a personal heart, a personal story, but he's writing them down so that God's people can use them in their worship service later. So it's a coming out of a personal a story, but it's communal in nature because he's doing it with, with being a worship leader in mind. He's reflecting on how this may affect the broader community. And we see, the, the, the beauty about this psalm is that we see what I think are five biblical um, elements of lament. If you, see, if you look at all the laments in the scriptures, there are five things that come up over and over, and these are the five things that most biblical laments contain. Now, not all laments are resolved in the scriptures. We see some psalms that aren't, that aren't resolved at the end of the lament. Lamentations is a book full of sadness, and not a lot of things, things are resolved at the end of Lamentations, the book. But in this particular psalm, it is resolved, and we see that with these five things. The five things are turning to God, complaining to God, asking questions of God, remembering who God is, and then trusting God. They don't always happen in this order, but they often do. So let's jump into the text. This is, again, a psalm of ASAP. Let's look at verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. This is his turning. He turns to God. He refuses to remain silent. And we need to see that lament is not despair. Lament may even be the opposite of despair. We need to get out of our head that lament is a negative thing. Is it a hard thing? Yes. It's not a negative thing, though. Despair is that that point in which you think God isn't there, or he stopped listening to you, and you're just about willing to give up and throw in the towel. That is despair, and at the root of that is unbelief. Lament is not unbelief. Lament is actually one of the deepest and most costly demonstrations of faith and belief. It's hard. It's costly. It takes a deep level of faith when your soul is being ripped apart to come to God and have faith that he's actually going to hear you. It takes a deep level of faith to do that. Like the psalmist said, there's, there's no comfort for his soul at this point in verse 2. There's no comfort for his soul. And when humanity laments, it reveals that, that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. You ever thought of that? Like, whenever you're sad, whenever you, whenever you have tears, what you're, in a sense, saying is that, like, things should be different than this. Whatever I'm going through, this is not normal. And I think that's an echo of God hardwiring us when he creates us back in Genesis 1 and 2 to long for the days of Eden. And so when we experience death or pain... Those tears are basically a, a, a sign that we say, yes, it's not, it's, it's not like it's supposed to be. What in the world is going on? So the first thing he does, he turns to God. Verse 3, we begin to see him complaining, kind of the, step, the second element here. When I remember God, I moan. That's a strong word, right? Moan. That's not a word that I'm gonna to be too quickly just to say, right? Like I was watching this movie and I just started moaning. No, you don't say that, right? So him saying like I'm moaning, like this is a, this is a, a, a deep word that he, he's being vulnerable here. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. And he, you see the tension here. He, and, and we'll feel this as we start to lament and think about it. He's pursuing God. He knows who God is, he, he, he knows the character of God, but he's hurting, He's in pain. Something's not right, So at the same time, like his head's saying one thing, he's not feeling what his head is telling him. So therefore he's lamenting, he's saying, "I'm so troubled that I can't speak. I don't even know the words to say," he says. And God's actually helping him. He's so weary, he's so tired that he's closing his eyes. He's nodding off to sleep and he's giving God credit for keeping him in the fight there. You're, you're holding my eyelids open. You're allowing me to go through this process. Then in verse five, I consider the days of old, the years of long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. We have a bit of a turn here. He's turning. He, he actually starts remembering. He's trying to remember. He's trying to talk himself into remembering who God is. I'm going to rem- consider the days of old. I'm going to remember the song in the night. I'm, I'm going to remember better days when God met me in places. And then he, and that leads him into this line of questioning. He, and he's, he begins to ask these rhetorical questions of God. These are, these are hard questions. Even reading these may make you uncomfortable, the things he's saying to God. But he's being honest with his struggle. And he knows these things he's about to say aren't true. He knows they're not true, but it's, they feel true in the moment to him. And there's the tension. They feel true in the moment, therefore he's going to tell God what he's feeling. Even though he's saying, I, I know this isn't true. That's not what Asaph would say. Listen to verse 7, these questions. Will the Lord spurn forever? And never again be favorable. He will. Will he never look favorable upon me again? Verse eight. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Like his steadfast love endures forever. Like that's a banner of the character of God. And the psalmist is saying: Is his is his love gone? The steadfast love, the steadfast love that I've read about and thought about and sung about all these years, is it, is it gone? Is it over? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious, verse nine? Like God would forget to be gracious, to be full of grace, like something so like central to the character of God. The psalmist is saying, have you forgotten what it's like to be gracious, God? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? Is he so angry at me? Is, or, is, God, are you taking this out on me? And he's living in this tension of indescribable pain and the sovereignty of God, right? He gets the sovereignty of God. He knows God's there. He, he knows he should be there, but he doesn't feel like he's there. And he's in pain, and he's crying out to God, and he's questioning God. Lament is what happens when your life is not turning out like a Thomas Kincaid painting or a Hallmark movie. It's like that. What happens is, is when what's going on is you you feel like you're going through the pit of hell. You lament when life isn't turning out the way you thought it would. And for brands of Christianity that speak that your life, Christian life should always look like a Hallmark movie, or just shove it aside, or we should always have smiles on our faces, or we should always be positive all the time. It's a bunch of bunk, and it's not biblical. It's terrible theology, and all we gotta do is read our Bible to see that it's terrible theology, and it doesn't help us at all when we all go through pain, which we will all go through pain. We need to be honest and real with what the scriptures teach. That's where lament comes in. If you are a follower of Jesus when you're going through pain, you should feel the same tension. It's okay to say, God, I know this to be true, but I don't feel like it right now. I don't feel like you're good. When I see the negative pregnancy test again for the 80th time, where are you at? You don't feel good. You're the creator of life. Where's life for Nicole and I? On one end, we know God created the world, Genesis 1 and 2, and we know how the world's going to end, end of Revelation, and we find ourselves in the middle, the hard part, the difficult part. Listen to Revelation 21:4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It's gone, it's over. We know that's coming. We know the way God intended it to be intended to, 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 to lay it out in Genesis 1 and 2. Sin ruined that. We see in Genesis 3. We find ourselves in the middle, and our reality is not matching those two things, and it is painful, and it's difficult. And some of you will describe that as hell. And it's okay to describe that as hell if you're describing it as hell. This world is broken and full of pain, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. This is what the psalmist is saying. God, have you forgotten to be gracious and compassionate? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten to be, to be good to your people? Have you forgot that, that, that you, you said you're a good father, that you'll take care of us, God's people? How many more funerals do I have to go to, God? How many more cancer diagnoses do I have to have, or do the people close to me have to have, God? When does it stop? Job losses. When do I get that promotion that I've been looking for? When are these relationships going to be mended for for good? When are these constant feelings of inadequacy going to go away because I'm depressed, I'm anxious? When do I have to stop trying over and over and over to measure up to someone else's standard? Or when are these just daily expectations gonna stop not being met? See, it could be as big as the loss of life, or it could be as small as daily expectations not being met. It's all lament. It's all saying, God, I don't feel like this is the way it should be. My reality is not necessarily lining up with who I know you to be What's wrong, God? Help me, God. Help me think through this. Now, if it feels awkward for you to talk to God in the way this psalmist is is talking to God, um, I want you to press into that discomfort. I want you to sit in that. This is probably a place that you need to grow to feel comfortable enough in your relationship with God to go to these places. Because once again, lamenting opens us up to God's healing mercy. When we're honest with God, when we come to God with our pain, he meets us there. I was thinking about my boys and trying to imagine that father-son relationship as much as I can, thinking of God as our father. And I'm thinking that when there, there's not, I'm, I'm, as, a, as a father, I'm trying to be the kind of father who's always receptive to, to his sons whenever they want me, right? Not always great at that. But here's where I never have time. I mean, I never have, never have difficulty. I never have difficulty welcoming my sons is when really there are two things happening inside of them. And I have a seven and a three-year-old. It's not hard to see that happening in them, right? When they're broken, they're, they're, their life is hard. Something bad is happening. They're in pain and I can see it. And they're humble enough to come to me and say, I need you. I don't know what to do, daddy. I need you. Like I, I'm not enough. I can't figure this out on the own. There's nothing that melts my heart more that will pull them as close and as tight and wrap my arms around them, give them a bear hug as I'm saying, "I'm in pain and I need you, Daddy." That's what lament is. So we're doing to God the Father that God wants us to come with Him, come to Him in our pain, in our suffering, in our tears. We shouldn't be afraid to come to God. We shouldn't be thinking, what is he going to think if I don't believe him or I think he's angry or he's, he's mean or he's whatever the word you want to put in there. God can take it. He knows our hearts. He just says, come. What's dangerous is when we start to turn our back on him and say, he's not, he's not the one I'm going to go to to handle this stuff. Then those other pathways that lead to destruction, those things start happening when we don't bring those things to God himself. God, you're not, I don't trust you, so I'm gonna go somewhere else. We can trust him. So now, one of the things I want you to do during our time is to continue to reflect. Maybe things are already coming to your mind. Where's the pain point for you? What are you doing with that pain? Where are you saying the question, God, where are you? Or God, I thought it would be blank. Or God, why haven't you blank? Are you going to him with these things? Are you talking to him about these things? Are you spending time in lament, in prayer about these things? Lament is not the opposite of praise. Lament is not the opposite of worship. Being angry or frustrated at God is not necessarily wrong, especially if we're face-to-face with him like my sons would be with me and talking to me about it. I want to meet them in their pain, in their brokenness. He wants to do the same thing. So in this psalm, we're halfway through. We've seen all the aspects of lament really other than trusting. This psalmist hasn't got to trust yet. He's going to get there. Let's look at verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this. He's making a turn here. You can kind of feel it. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of all. That remembering word, he's starting to repeat it. I will ponder all your work. I meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. He's preaching to himself. He's almost like he's trying to tell his heart to, 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 to get out of this pit. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeem your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And now the psalm is taking that turn towards resolution. It's, he's, he's beginning to trust again. You see this word remember. He's remembering God's character, all that God has done for them. He's, he's thinking about the past. The many, the many ways God has proven himself trustworthy to him and his people. And there's one event that's always the defining moment for the Old Testament people of God. And we're going to see it in a sec. 16. When the waters saw you, O oh God... When the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. If you know anything about that part time in history, water was super like strange and mysterious. There had been hardly any exploration in the sea. The technology wasn't there. The sea was this scary, unpredictable, almost kind of... um, kind of monster that they were afraid of. And so for him to say, they saw, the water saw you, O God, and they were afraid. That's, a, that's like the, the, most, uh, the greatest thing you could say about God's power. Verse 17, the clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, your arrows flashed on every side, just recounting God's power. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Interesting verse 19, your footprints were unseen. You did all these things, but in the moment we couldn't see you. Like that's the point of lament. He's actually saying when looking back at these things that God has done, we didn't feel you at the time. We didn't see you, but now looking back and kind of the whole story, you were there. You were walking us through this. You saw us. You, you, I mean, all of these things the psalmist is recounting. He's preaching to himself. Without hope in God's deliverance or confidence that he is all powerful and sovereign over pain, there would be no reason to lament. Think about it. Like, God draws us to himself through lament. We're gonna get more into next week, kind of the purposes of lament and looking at some more implications of it. But, the reason, why we, the, the reason why we go to God is because we think he can do something about it. Because he's powerful, he's sovereign, he's in control. That's why we can come to him in lament. And one thing to notice here in the psalmist at the end here is that we, we don't have this pie-in-the-sky faith, this blind faith, where we, we just hope with our fingers crossed that God is good. God, I, I hope you're there. God, I hope you're gracious, like I just, just kind of this wishing type faith. We know he's gracious and loving, just like the, the, old, the Old Testament people of Israel did. We know he's gracious because we've seen it. We've experienced it. We can bank on it. And for us, why? Jesus. Jesus is the reason why we know that God is trustworthy to get us through these things, which we have the advantage over the psalmist. The psalmist was looking back to the Exodus. We can actually look back to Jesus and even beyond Jesus to the Exodus as we go further back. This is where the gospel comes in. Our Exodus is the cross. Our parting of waters that God did on our behalf is Jesus coming and dying for us. Without Jesus suffering on the cross, Pain has no meaning. We can't identify with it. We can't go to Jesus. He he wouldn't understand us. God wouldn't understand the pain, but he does understand the pain because Jesus was, in fact, God. Like I, I, I don't understand if you don't have a relationship with God and you don't know Jesus, I don't know what you do with pain. It's one of those questions that oftentimes lobbed at Christianity saying, well, you don't have an answer to why there's pain in the world. That's a difficult question. There are answers, but that's difficult. But I kind of want to turn that around and say, okay, we all know there's pain in the world. What in the heck are you going to do about the pain? How are you going to make sense of it? What are you going to do when it comes? Are you going to follow one of those pathways I said earlier that's going to eventually lead to kind of nothing and more frustration? Like I just don't know what a person does without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ when pain comes. Doesn't make it necessarily easy. It doesn't make it like again like Hallmark movie stuff. No, but at least we have a place to go. At least we have a who to look at. We have an object to see outside of, uh, outside of ourselves who understands us and gets us. Paul, Romans eight, he says it better than I could ever could. Verse thirty five one of my favorite passages in the bible he's actually talking about lament here who shall separate us from the love of christ there's all a lot of things to lament about tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered that's the way that's the way we feel right when you're in pain that's the way you feel no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us it's jesus For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Like, that's it. That's why we can lament. That's why we can sit before God. We can pour out our hearts. We can question him, and we can know we can get to that place where we remember what Jesus has done on our behalf, and we can sit in that until we begin to trust him with our situation. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it even like it'll go away in a couple of weeks if you just memorize this passage. That's not the way it works. But we do have a place to go. And we do have one that's experienced everything we could possibly experience <clears throat> with pain, and that is Jesus. If you are in Christ, God is for you that is good news. So when we we lament, we have an anchor. We can drop our anchor, go out to lament, knowing that is our anchor. If you don't have Jesus as your anchor and you try to lament your pain, it just feels like you're building a house on sand. And that's going to start shaking and it's going to fall. Because I don't think anything else can get us through our pain ultimately than what we see in the scriptures. When we lament biblically, we open ourselves up to God's healing mercy. So what do we do? What do we do with this? Um, Number one, I think we, like I mentioned, we need to reflect. We need to be more self-aware and honest with ourselves. Where, where, Where do we experience pain? Where do we want to cry out to God and say why? Or when? Or what's going on? Whatever that blank is for you, we need to be aware of that. Be aware of that. Don't be afraid to go there. And then two, make space for lament. These, these, these five things, I'll put them back up there again. Again, it's not a formula. Don't turn this into like, if you do these things, like God's gonna show up. That's not what I'm saying. But we see a pattern in the scriptures when people come before God, they, they turn, then they complain, they're honest. This isn't a petty complaining. This is, I'm hurting God, I'm in pain and I want you to I wanna know what's going on. Then he asks questions. It's okay to ask questions of God. Even rhetorical questions that you know the answer to, but you feel like you need to ask them. Then you remember who God is. And we do that primarily in the gospel if you're in Christ. And that leads over time, after a long period of time, the rest of our lives, trusting God to a greater degree. And even through our pain, we can trust God to a greater degree. And again, we'll talk about how he uses pain and those things next week when we Uh, dig in a little deeper to this. Those are the application points. Those are what I want you to think about as we leave this place, and hopefully you'll be back next week and we can talk through more of this. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do something a little bit different today to end. I'm not closing quite yet because we talk about practicing these things a lot in the church that we have to not just hear the words of God. We're not just hearers, we're actually doers, right? So we, we need to start using the muscles of lament. So here's what I want you to do. And we're trying to make this as, as non-threatening as possible here. So I'm going to give you about two minutes of silence right here. And I just want you to reflect, reflect what I those those questions I asked earlier. Where are you angry with God? Where have your expectations not been met? It doesn't have to be this massive, painful thing. It could, but it doesn't. Where do you feel like you're asking why God? And 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 figure that out, right? And then we're going to actually read a different psalm of lament together here in a moment off the screen. It's a short one, a song of lament together, and you could kind of put your, whatever that blank is for you, you kind of feel that going into this lament, and then we'll move into communion like we normally do. So we'll take a few minutes, give you a few minutes here, and then here in a second I'll uh, lead you through uh, the psalm of lament. Okay, that was exactly two minutes. If it, uh, it's, it's, it's strange when you have no stimuli externally, how long that feels. So just 120 seconds, that was it. But hopefully that, again, starts to lead you into practicing and, and listening to those things, listening to the heartache that you may have in this, okay? So I want to read this together, and then uh, we'll move into prayer and then um, take communion together. This is Psalm 13. This is from David. You can follow, uh, say, just like Confession Assurance, uh, say this together. This is a, I want this to be a corporate thing. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? And how sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful with me. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you include these things once again in your word that help us so much. And I pray that your spirit would help us take advantage of them, that we would begin to exercise this muscle of lament, if you will, that we would begin to find places where we're feeling these things, that we would go to you. You want that. Like a good father, you want your sons and daughters to come to you. Help us. We love you, and we love your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.